Good morning, church. As Glenn said, my name is Zerk. I'm on the pastoral team. And yeah, it's, it's a huge joy uh, to be in the Word with you this morning. So we continue uh, through the book of Hebrews. Uh, yeah, you can study a passage. You can just study three verses all week, and then you just hear it read right before you go up and just kind of sits in a different way, in a really good way. So um, let me pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord, we thank you uh, for this morning, and Lord, that you sympathize with us. In every possible way. You sympathize with our needs, our pain, our grief, and tension. So be among us. Spirit, we ask that you would do a, a special, powerful work this morning, as we hear your word, as we hear your truth, would it just come alive within us? Would we walk out this morning different than when we walked in? And would we know it? Would we know it? We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So as, as human beings, we, we have a lot of common experiences, and some are pretty general, like we, we have to eat, we have to breathe, but there are some more specific things that I think we can overlook, uh, maybe not acknowledge sometimes, and, and one of those experiences is this need for us, this need to have people in our lives who have gone through similar experiences. Now, there can be more surface level experiences like, oh, we're all in college together. Oh, we're all working at the same job. But I'm thinking who can sympathize with the struggles, with the tensions in life. So for me, I've been in ministry since uh, 2014. So it's been a little bit. And as I got into ministry, I, I first learned how to lead worship here. First started doing it here. First started I preached one little sermon a couple years before I got here, but really learning how to preach here and, and doing college ministry. And when I was getting into those things, and really still today, I, I need people who have been in it for a while to dispense some wisdom to me as far as how do I love people? How do I preach? How do I read the Bible? Right? And, and there's other things as well that, that are common experiences as well. So when we're talking about marriage or kids, we want to have some people in our lives who are a few seasons ahead. Am I right? Parents of littles, right? Like Hansons, how do you have more than two kids? <laughs> Teach me. <laughs> For real. Um, but also with our brokenness and, and struggles as well. Like we want guidance from someone who has experienced freedom from addiction, right? We want to know, is there any possible hope to experience freedom in that? I want testimonies of, of power, of God's power breaking through. Someone who's gone through 
the trauma, someone who's gone through the abuse and is living in a place of not perfection, but is thriving and flourishing. A grief. Not always necessarily wanting the words, but we want the presence and the care of people who have gone through the valley of a shadow of death and have come through the other side. We want to know if there's any kind of hope for healing. How do we move on? How can we move on? Now, no doubt, and, I, and I, I'm assuming a lot because I don't know all of you who are listening at super deep levels. Like, I'm, I'm sure I can experience love and care from all of you to varying degrees. Um, and, and I think we would probably assume the same thing. But we want someone who can not only relate but also deal with our specific pains, our specific tensions. And so what we're getting into today for a passage, it speaks into this in that Jesus is the one who does this perfectly with every single person. And he brings us further than anyone else ever could. Why? Because he is the great high priest. Now, this is going to be one of the main themes in Hebrews that as we're going to continue on through this book. Now, we've already kind of touched on it in chapter 2, but it's going to get really deep really fast. And so um, today I'm going to get into three verses. Next week I'm preaching again, and I'm going to bring us through uh, the last or the beginning of chapter 5, which is really going to get deep. So just know if I don't talk about a whole lot of it, just Wait, okay? Um, but the role of the priest, we can talk about that. The role of the priest was essentially them charged with teaching and bringing the law to the people of Israel. They were also the mediators. So they were the ones in charge of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. So the, the different offerings for sin and guilt and, and cleansing and all those things, they were the ones who were charged with doing it on your behalf. Or if you were Israel, it would be on your behalf. Okay? They were the ones ordained, the only ones who were ordained to do that. And they were the ones who were able to go between us and the Lord. They were the mediators. Now, you have the order of the priest, but then within that, you have the high priest, one who would hold that office uh, for a long duration of time, as you could see in the Old Testament. Um, he led the priests, but he, was, he would also once a year go into the tabernacle, which was uh, early on in Exodus in the, the first few books of the Bible, where God's presence was. So there's an inner courtyard where the sacrifices were made. Then there was like the tent of dwelling. There was two chambers within that. There was the first, which was also pretty intense. But then inside that, the second chamber, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelled. And once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies and uh, confess and deal with the sins of Israel before the Lord. Now, 
the author of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus is the great high priest. Okay, so what you see in, in Hebrews is this language of copies, types, and shadows. Uh, it's a theme pretty common in Hebrews, and, and really Hebrews is kind of the gateway drug for the rest of Scripture. Like you see how the author of Hebrews talks about Moses, and, and really Jesus talks about this in similar ways in the Gospels, how he talks about Moses and the sacrificial system and all these different elements in the Old Testament and how they are shadows of the true substance, which is Jesus. It's all foreshadowing Christ. Hebrews 8.5, talking about the sacrifices and priests, that they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. The tabernacle is just a reflection, a minor reflection of the true thing, the dwelling place of the Lord, the throne. Hebrews 10.1, that the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. So living in the Old Testament, the law, as perfect as it is, was just a shadow of what was to come, which was Jesus, the full embodiment of the law. Perfect and pure. Christ is the true and better everything. It's what the author is trying to get at. He is the substance. He's the true and better Adam, who through him all would, would receive life, not death. He's the true and better Moses, surpassing in glory, and not only teaches the law accurately, but like I said, fulfills and embodies the law and grace and truth and love perfectly and in harmony. He's the true and better high priest, that God himself is our mediator. Not some fallen man, and we'll get to that next week. It is Christ himself who is our mediator and who maintains our relationship with him. Praise God. He has passed through the heavens. Verse 14, he has passed through the heavens. He sits on the throne. He is in control. We're not dependent upon a fallen man. We are dependent on Christ. First Timothy 6.16 says that Jesus dwells in unapproachable light. We're going to come back to that. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. As a pastor, I hear struggles. I hear that. And I can relate only so far. I can sympathize only so far. Jesus perfectly understands you. He understands the situations. He understands them better than you do. Because he has the full perspective on the purpose. And he sympathizes with us. He was tempted as we are yet without sin. What does this mean? It means that in your life, Jesus has seen every temptation. He has seen every sin. He bore the complete weight 
brauche Fetten. And when he himself was tempted, he did not give in. Something that we say somewhat often here is that he was tempted in his own life. He was tempted, but it was not tempting. There's a difference. You can be tempted, but to him it was not tempting. Because Jesus is so perfectly satisfied within himself, being God, being who he is. The Trinity The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so full and overflowing with joy and satisfaction and security and pleasure. So when Satan tempts him with the world, giving him all the kingdoms, it's really stupid. Right? Like, I already own it. It's already mine. Trying to sell me my own car. Right, like, oh, oh, big deal. Okay, all the kingdoms. Uh, yeah, I created every galaxy in the universe with one word. It's mine. It's not tempting. He has something far better. He's pure. No other person can be the great high priest for you. Not the Old Testament priests. Not Moses. Not your spouse. Not your kids. Not your job. Not your counselor. Because we know the futility and the tension that it brings, the despair that it brings. It's too great a weight to put on those people. And some of us know this from experience. It will crush every single person that you look to for that. And it crushed Jesus, but he actually come back, he actually came back from the dead. So that's good news. He can handle being crushed. So how then do we respond? So to all of that, like, whoa, okay, great high priest, like, what does that mean? Um, What does the author respond with? He says, let us hold fast our confession. So in the book of Hebrews, depending on the translation, you will find 14 different let us exhortations. Now, there's good reason for this. There's a lot of therefores and since thens throughout the whole letter. Like if you go through and you do a word search, you just underline or highlight, there's a lot. And what's happening is the author is building this case, weaving this tapestry for us to see the glory of Jesus and for us to deepen our faith in the work that he has done since eternity past through the present day and through eternity future. In light of all these truths that he's saying, let us do this. Back to verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. What is the confession? Confession is the gospel. It's the good news. The good news is this. That the one who dwells in unapproachable light has approached us. The Lord who sees 
the brokenness of the world, and every person draws near. He enters creation because he is so compelled to bring redemption. We struggle to understand the heart of God. But he's so compelled. He takes on flesh, he walks among us, and he becomes our great high priest in the true and better sacrifice. He takes action. We'll get to later in Hebrews that the blood of lambs and goats could never really wash away our sins. It's his blood that sets us free. It truly cleanses us. Goes to the cross and is crushed under the weight of our sin and the wrath of the Father. He takes our sin, pays for it in full, so that we would be set free from the bondage of spiritual darkness and our sin. And then he rises from the grave, giving us a new hope that will never be destroyed. Ever. How do we hold fast then? We need to be equipped. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Paul gets into this. We're going to have that pulled up here. Um, this is for the individual believer and for the local church, the global church as well. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are to grow up into the fullness of Christ in maturity. Infinite maturity. It doesn't end. Paul's getting out a few things here that we as a whole body individually need to understand our giftings. How God has wired each and every one of us. We are a part of the body. We need to all pursue the Lord to seek Him, to seek wise counsel, to be in community and to discover those gifts so that we as a whole body would function properly. Every body part has honor in its function. And that involves some really hard things. That involves repentance. That involves turning away from the things that we once cling to and turning to Jesus as a changed man and woman. And through that repentance, we experience together and individually a, a deepness of renewal 
that could not be explained any other way. It could not be explained away with psychology. It could not be explained away with working out or a different diet. It could only be explained by the working, the powerful working of the Spirit. And through that, we dwell with the Lord. We dwell with Jesus. That means we learn how to rest. We learn how to pray. We learn how to worship. We learn how to serve and to grow exponentially and infinitely into the maturity and the fullness of Jesus. It sounds like a lot, right? It sounds like a lot. Even if it's like, hey, we can pursue unity. That's a great thing. But this cannot happen apart from the source, right? So you could hear me saying, just do this, a laundry list of things to do, and it will be death for you. It will be death for you if you do that apart from the source, and that source being the next exhortation, where he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. We need grace, church. We need grace. We need grace to love our families. We need grace to love this church. We need grace to hold fast to our confession in the tension. We need grace to be sustained in every area of life. So where are you struggling? The grief, the trauma, the abuse, the marriage. He will help you. He will help you. Because he has made a way. Jesus has made a way. Because, again, it's not the blood of sacrifices or even our own blood that makes a way. It's his blood that he has given to us so that we would have access to approach him who dwells in unapproachable light. as the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament. So now because of Jesus, we can go behind the curtain. We have been given full access. Anytime. And there's not a tent that we have to go in, and a, a literal curtain we have to go behind, because the Lord himself now dwells within us. He's with us. And he says we approach with confidence. That seems really foreign to some of us. Probably all of us at any given time. Approaching with confidence, not fear. And I, and I think one of the things that really, or there's a lot of things, there's a few things I feel that just are barriers to that because, because just us dwelling in our own sin, in our own temptations, giving in to the voice of the enemy, the voice 
of the world. We feel the shame and guilt. Over the things that Jesus has died for. That were not good enough. That were spoiled goods. We feel this fear. And I want to tell you, that is the old life. If you are in Christ, that is your old life. That is not who you are. And we could so instantly, in, in, in a lot of our culture, we so instantly just identify ourselves, oh, I'm just a sinner. And I, and I get a lot of what, what you're meaning, but don't focus on who you once were. God says you're a saint. You are a beloved son and daughter. That's how he sees you. That's how he sees you. Right? And if you have fear, when we're talking about approaching the Lord, let's not forget the most frequent command in Scripture. Know what that is? Fear not. Fear not. I'm with you. He says this in Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. Let's pull that up. Man. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He calls you friend. And he says, to you in the mess of life that you're in, fear not. It's a church, Christian, brother, sister, it's time, if you haven't, to live out your identity and how you approach the throne. And so to rid up any confusion, I want you to be clear, and I want us to be clear, to omit any sense of fear, or shame, or guilt. Approach the throne of grace as the bride. The bridegroom sits on the throne. He wants to hear his bride. Right? You think, oh, will he care about my issue? Will he, care? he wants to hear his bride. He is the perfect husband who sacrifices and serves. He has a listening ear. And, and husbands, he won't just come right in sometimes just to fix it, right? Like, he will hear. He is patient. He is kind. 
He's purchased you with his blood, and he lives to intercede for you. Paul says in Galatians 1 that we have been called by his grace. He's brought us into his presence. He's brought us to himself. So make yourself at home, right? Because where he's brought you, it is home. Get comfortable, right? It's your home now. And with that, we can be honest with him. Right, like, a lot of us come from, you know, more traditional culture, like, you know, we start praying, we, we get into King James language, or we feel like we need to, to read a novel to him about everything that's going on. Sometimes you just have to yell help. And to remind you, and maybe this has not been your experience, but to maybe call you forward, what's it like to be in his presence Man, and I know, it's not always fireworks, but what's it like to be in his presence? It is to mingle with glory. To live and to have your being within the fullness of love. To have peace beyond understanding. To have stillness, yet excitement. And to hear the Father's voice. And as we see in Zephaniah 3.17, to hear his song over us. He sings with loud singing. That's what it's like to be in his presence. Isn't that where we want to be? Let that be your forward vision as, as, a, as a Christian, as a family, as a couple, wh- whatever life stage you're in, wherever you're at, let that be the vision that brings you forward, not a list of demands that you should just do, that you've maybe just been taught growing up, that this is what you do to get right with God. Have a vision forward of the gracious Christ who has died on your behalf, and he's giving you himself and offering you everything. That's where we dwell. And it's from that that we serve and that we love, that we lead, we do all of these things, family. That's how much he loves you. Oh, he listens and he answers. He answers, right? We call, he answers that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every time. I had a very visceral uh, time of need recently. Um, I think it was my first real time having food poisoning. So let me tell you a story. I'll spare you details. Uh, Some. Okay, so uh, I went to Denver, Colorado, uh, to be with Michael and Allie, who we sent to go uh, plant a church last year. They were my brother and sister-in-law. And, uh, you know, we had a great time. Lots of little kids, pretty chaotic, good family time. Um, so we come back. As you know, it's about a 12-hour drive. Uh, we got to about Lincoln, and what I fear was the cause of it was Casey's Pizza. 
Man. Man. I don't know for sure. I'll, I'll be all right. Um, and so eat that. You know, it's road food. You know, McDonald's, like Subway, oh, that's not much better. So we get across, you know, the Iowa border, past Council Bluffs. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, uh, needless to say, we had to pull over a few times on the interstate um, to let things out. And, uh, of course, one of those times, you know, a police officer <laughs> pulls over behind us, and, I don't, and I'm over on the side like, he's like, all right, where are you coming from, Denver? He's like, ah. And I'm like, gosh, no, I don't have weed. Come on, I just, come on, man, come on. I'm like, I don't want to be searched in the middle of snow, and I'm puking, <laughs> like, please. He was really nice. He let us go. Good to go. Um, so we slowly making it. We get through Des Moines, and at that point, RETA was after midnight. We have, we have two littles in the back who are kind of sleeping, and we're like, I don't know if I can make it home. At the rate that we're pulling over and Emily's driving, this is going to be bad. So, and I was, I was getting to be a mess. So we ended up getting a hotel in Ankeny. Like, we got to do something. We got to change something up. Uh, so we get to the hotel, and uh, for the next four hours, I'm on the bathroom floor, uh, and the kids are, like, not going to sleep. It is chaos. They're screaming, and it's, like, you know, two in the morning. Great family vacation, right? Um, it's time to go home. If I could buy uh, helicopter tickets at that time, I totally would. Uh, I, was, I was pretty desperate. And so it got to be um, three in the morning. My stomach just would not stop hurting. I had nothing left. And I couldn't hold water. And I don't know if you've been in, in this kind of situation. You're looking at a bottle of water. Like, I am so thirsty. And I can't drink. My body is unable to hold it. And I know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't live this out 100 years ago because, like, man, I probably would have died. And so 3 in the morning, all right, I'm going to the hospital. Like, I'm either going to the hospital now or I'm trying to, I'm going to lay on the floor another five hours and go to the hospital in Cedar Falls. So, like, let's just get this out of the way. Because I knew, like, they were going to take care of me. They weren't going to kick me out or anything. At that point, Emily and the kids asleep, like, hmm. Um, should I bring them to the ER room with me at 3 in the morning? As a good husband, I said no. So call the ambulance. Great. Yay. Um, so I think that was like the first time I've been in an ambulance. Wasn't that great? Uh, it's not all that cracked up. It's, you know, what you think. Um, so get there, get some IV bags, get some meds. I'm there for three hours. Great. Uh, get back to the hotel, eventually make it home the next morning. Find out, oh, fridge died uh, during the week on vacation. Like, great. Oh, and the piece to cost is, oh, it's about as much as the fridge is worth. All right, new fridge, hey! And that was all on New Year's Eve. So 2022, my year, right? Okay. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, all that to say, what does it have to do with this? I was really desperate, right? Like, I could not drink water. And so I don't know where you're at with your particular struggles, where you're at in life. 
but to ask the Lord, where do you need grace? Where do you need mercy? Where do you need help? And get specific. Be honest and be desperate. Right? We don't know the full consequences of our actions. The full consequences if we give in to the next temptation. Family's on the line. Marriage is on the line. Our community. So we cry out to Jesus. Help. And he hears you, church. He sympathizes with you. He will help you. He is committed to you. Okay? So we're going to move into response time to this. We're going to give you time to pray. Come on up, uh, team, sorry. Um, We're going to have opportunities for communion where we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. It's just not lavish ideas, right? Great ideas of, oh, yeah, he died for my sins, but to partake in that grace, to remember his broken body and his shed blood on our behalf. To remember. Let that be a special grace to you this morning. And then we're going to keep singing. And, uh, man, prayer team... MC is going to talk about this later, but in light of this passage, I, I want to highlight this, the prayer team's purpose. And when we talk about drawing near to the throne of grace, and, and I can give you a grand vision. You could read through Hebrews and have this great vision of it, but man, you could still feel so weak. The prayer team exists to intercede for you. And in your mess, they're either going to lock arms with you or carry you on their back to the throne of grace. They love you. They love Jesus. And they want to let Jesus minister to you as they pray for you and listen to him. So I want to encourage you, seek that out today. All right, if not today, when? Let it be today. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to, it's a little bit different. I want to ask you just to just close your eyes. I'm eventually going to pray, but what I want to do is read through the let us statements in Hebrews. Eventually we're going to get through this as a series, but I think it's a special morning to read through these together. So close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Just listen. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast 
our confession. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and let our bodies be washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Therefore then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, worthy is your name. You're worthy. You dwell in an unapproachable light, and you have approached us, and you have sought us out. Thank you. And Lord, I pray on behalf of this church, her people, would you give mercy and grace in their time of need? Every area. Speak. <laughs> Hear their brokenness. Hear their prayers. Hear the cries of their hearts. Spirit, would you move in them to speak honestly in this moment? Jesus, would you hear their cries? Would you answer them? 
would you draw near to them? Would they feel your presence, your sympathy? Would they have the peace beyond understanding in this moment? Would they drink from the well of the joy that was set before you as you endured the cross? Would we drink deeply? Jesus, you are enough. You're better than anything we could ever imagine. Anything. So bring us to our knees. Bring us to a place of neediness and desperation as we cry out, help. We trust you, Jesus, more than anything else. We cling to you. We cling to you, Jesus, that you would meet us in our time of need. And you would restore that what is broken. Bring healing. In Jesus' name, bring healing to this body, to its people. And that you would bring us into the deeper maturity and the fullness of you. We would not be the same. We would be a different people. We love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen.